Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. I talk on this episode with Raphael Fenimore. Raphael is a young birder from King County, Washington, who just completed a record-breaking big year in King County. Before we go further, I'll just explain for people who might not be familiar with big things in birding what a big year is. A big year, in birding terms, is finding as many species of birds as you can in a calendar year in a given area. People do ABA big years, American Birding Association area big years, or state big years like Washington State big year, or Minnesota big years. We do county big years where you find as many species as you can in a given county. Uh, People do all sorts of big years. People do yard big years, uh, any kind of space. We do big days, big months, big years. We collect the species we see over a whole career, but big years are a common uh, phenomenon in birding. Uh, Probably made popular by the movie The Big Year, which you should check out. It's a pretty cool movie. It's uh, relatively accurate in a sort of uh, uh, exaggerated uh, way. Uh, But anyway, Raphael did a big year in King County and broke the record for not just King County, but for any county in Washington for the most species found in one year, 278 species in King County last year. Just a fabulous uh, year. Uh, Really killed it. And in addition, he is a cool guy. I met Raphael. He reminded me that I met him uh, chasing a a Pierce County bird during his 2021 big year in King County. Uh, Met him in Pierce County and an unusual phenomenon for him during that year, and more recently met him at a stakeout for the red flank blue tail in uh, in Seattle, or uh, Lake Forest Park near Seattle, uh, and remembered that I should talk to him. He is an interesting guy, had a great year, and I really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit while we talked. So help me welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast, Raphael Fenimore. Raphael, thanks for being on. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Ed. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it was really fun meeting you at the uh, Red Flank Blue Tail Stakeout oh, a week or two ago when I said, that's who I should have on the podcast. He put mm-hmm. out that big year in King County last year and is kind of a new guy on the scene in, in, well, uh, in Washington. Yeah, well, thanks. No, it was great meeting you too. And actually, Ed, I have to um, correct you really quickly that briefly we met at the Pierce County Emperor Goose super briefly. Oh, my and goodness. So I remember I, I that. Did- I don't blame you at all because that was, um, I mean, what a wonderful bird, right? Um, and that yeah. was very quick. Um, but actually, yes, last week I enjoyed um, speaking to you. Uh, and you were with... Um, Which day did we meet? No, I was up with Wayne Sladek. Wayne was there. Right, right, right. Uh, Wayne yes. is a Pierce County birder. And he was on my, I uh, went through a quick list of people who can I try to get to carpool up with. Get the carpool. <laughs> yeah. Know, oh, really, no. Always, it makes such a difference. Anyway. Hit, yeah. or, hit or miss, always funner with friends. Yeah, for sure. So Wayne rode up with me and it was a miss that day, but I came back a few days later and got it. So Great. all good. Nice. Great. It, w- it was a lot easier after uh, the fabulous host, you know, just opened her yard up and kind of chaperoned. That was oh, such you know, a cool thing. I texted a couple of friends after that first day. I was lucky to get a uh, view of it perched. I didn't get photos, but that first day I did see it. What an awesome little bird. Um, but I did text a couple of friends and say, you know, I think this bird doesn't like people. And I think it was moving away from all of us crowded in the backyard there. It was another neighbor who had let us in and like a line of us were all up against this other neighbor's fence. Yeah. And, um, I think sure enough, as soon as kind of actually, uh, host there, Nancy, 
Um, I think as she, as soon as she asked other neighbors to discontinue that, the bird continued showing properly in her yard, and she exactly chaperoned uh, this U.S. mega uh, so graciously. Beautifully. I'm, I'm hoping I can get Was to recognize her in some way. It was, it was, it, it's not a small task to be the host to a mega rarity because oh, I, you know I'm you've sure got people, people were emailing all the time. Yeah, oh, uh, people wanting to be in your yard, and do you want mm-hmm. them in the yard? I keep the neighbors happy. It's not a small task. Mm, absolutely. Speaking of rarities, you found a pile of them last year. <laughs> My goodness! Just for listeners who don't know, Raphael did a, a King County Big Year. Uh, yeah, King County big year last year and saw more species in King County that had ever been seen in any county in Washington in one year and had some uh, uh, help slash competition. There were three or four really top birders in King County going all over it last year. So uh, that that's a good introduction. Tell me about that year a little bit, Raphael. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, um, it kind of started out. So my partner and I moved here for his job in September of the year before, in September of 2020. And so I um, had a lot of new birds out here because actually, for your listeners, I am actually kind of a marine scientist, marine mammal, uh, whale, dolphin guy, uh, conservationist. And uh, that's where my professional, my educational uh, background and professional background are. I finished up a master's degree in Boston building a uh, fixed wing drone that looks in infrared for whales, specifically for the North Atlantic right whale. Um, So that's super cool in theory, but uh, we never got clearance from the FAA to fly it over whales. Uh, So that was a fun project, of course. I learned a ton. Uh, But my partner and I moved out here and basically uh, birding as a hobby was just becoming way more new to myself. I had done a lot of pelagic trips, a lot of pelagic surveys actually for NOAA. But even my survey buddies knew I was out there for the whales. Um, that's kind of hard to hide. But coming out here, I've traveled extensively. I've been to the West Coast many times. I've even lived in Oregon before. Uh, but even, even with all of that, there's a ton of new birds for me. And so when I first moved out here, uh, I just went to kind of birdie areas and hunted down some of uh, some local rarities, like the, some overwintering cinnamon teals that were relatively close to myself there in Kent Valley. And actually that kind of opened up Kent Valley to me. And um, I live, my partner and I are in Normandy Park. So we're just south of Seattle here. Mm-hmm. And um, the Kent Valley is just east of us. And it's just this great migrant highway, north and south. And so I think that it catches a lot of things. And it was accessible to me before I had a car. I would just uh, Uber over there, or bike over real quick. And once I got a car, I started going further and encountering even more um, uh, to me, just awesome, awesome, awesome birds. I think they're all awesome, to be honest. Uh, finding some rarities like a tree sparrow and Kent Ponds and such it attracted these listers, which was something that was not, not really that familiar to myself. So I knew mm-hmm. that birders were, uh, I knew that birders were listers for sure, of course. And I myself was as well. I was more of a whale and dolphin lister. Um, but competitive birding was something that I was totally unfamiliar with. And that was a year in which two birders were doing a King County big year, 2020. And my tree sparrow was definitely attractive to one of them, uh, to uh, John Pushok. And Mm -hmm. so I met him and a bunch of other cool birders. And uh, it was just a cool scene. It was was contagious. And so, yeah, it was fun. County birding is fun. We have such a terrific group of people here in Pierce County. I mean, Bruce Labar is kind of the 
the patriarch of the group here. And, uh, you know, Will Brooks just took the county by storm when he came. Mm. And Char- Charlie Wright is just such a Mm. nice guy and good birder and a bunch of a bunch of us wannabes uh, in addition uh so it's a uh, it's a really nice birding scene here and very cooperative and you know friendly competition each year but yep. but uh really cool yeah i was lucky to meet charlie too at that emperor goose which was really cool and so charlie and i had communicated before and we're friends on facebook actually and you know i'm following his historical records all around king county um and so that was cool to meet him there as well yeah, I remember. I do remember. I think we met was we were, we met on that. Yeah, the busy. Did we meet the first day in the pouring rain in the afternoon? I think we met the next day early in the morning on Stewart Ave, which is like zoom zoom busy. If I if I even met you, I was probably more worried about getting killed by the traffic exactly. than it was uh, was trying to be conversational. I actually think it was the first day because I did bop oh, right, right down there, right and, in the pouring rain. Okay, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it was like kind of not not super wonderful conditions, but it was a wonderful bird. So. It was. That's a funny story. I worked that day. I mean, I hardly work anymore. I, I work like two or three days a month. I'm a retired family physician, and I was, nice. uh, and I actually agreed to work that day. So I'm at our urgent care clinic at the office I used to work at and I was scheduled to work till five and it got dark at 4 30. It was in the middle of the winter when that mm. bird came. Yeah. And uh and I heard about this bird at like 9 30 in the morning just after I'd gotten to work. And I go, oh how can I gonna miss this bird? And I I knew I didn't have time to get there at lunch and back because it was a little bit too far for that. So I talked to the other guy says, how about I work through lunch and leave about 345? Would that be okay? So I said, oh sure. <laughs> Blew down there and nice. just as it was getting dark, got on yeah. the bird. So it was really I mean, cool. I- yeah, what I said earlier about I'm not blaming you uh, with us meeting so briefly, no. you were very excited. Oh, <laughs> so, I was yeah, definitely yeah. excited. Was, yeah. Exactly. And so I don't blame you one bit. That was a that was a state nemesis bird. I've been oh, in Washington okay. 33 years, and there have been many emperor geese around. Uh, I mean, you're you know, over the years there have been a few, including sure. Stumpy, who lived at uh, a one-legged emperor goose who lived at the uh, uh, at the John Wayne Marina in Squim for oh, several okay. years. And I tried to see Stumpy a few times, and but I really wasn't a big lister back then. And yep. and I went to Ocean Shores two or three times a few winters ago, and never, just always was just off. Never quite got this bird, and so I was pretty excited to get my state and county first. Yeah. Hey. Well, congrats again. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so you had a great year last year. Uh, sure. Uh, and it was your for a first experience uh, in sort of competitive for lack of a better term uh birding uh or really challenging yourself to come up with a big list over a period of time let's put it that way mm-hmm. uh uh birding you just killed it uh, mm-hmm. did, did you have a lot of birding experience before you came to washington uh not not a lot to be honest i mean i did with again pelagics mo- more than just terrestrial so my hobbyist birding uh did not include hunting down birds. It included just going for walks in birdie places and listing what I found. And for the most part, that was really fun. And it was, it it was great. And it actually really wasn't, I only hunted down one bird ever from eBird in Boston, uh, which were glossy ibis at my kind of home patch that I saw reported. And I was like, okay, very cool. I'll go there. But I really didn't use eBird to hunt stuff down until again, that fall that I moved here. And I was just like, there are some cool birds around. And rather than just go and miss at places, I can go and try for these birds that other people reported, which is awesome. And I'm a super experienced wildlife observer 
and um, not a professional photographer in any means, but I've used a lot of photographic equipment over the years and uh, usually for slower, larger subjects. Uh, absolutely. Um, but from a moving platform. And so actually terrestrially, it makes it a little bit easier uh, just walking around with a camera. Um, yeah. For sure. In terms of birding, it, in, oh, for sure. from this personal experience, land birding is so much easier than pelagic birding, just because I mean, you can hardly even hold your bins on a bird on a, on a rocking boat a lot of times. Now, some of your birding, mm -hmm. pelagic birding is from bigger platforms uh, yeah. than, than just a fishing boat that like we go out on for most pelagic trips. But still, long yeah. ways away, moving fast, everything's just gray and white and black. Uh, yeah. uh, so it's, it's, um, it's a lot more jizz birding for pelagic yeah. birding, a lot more. Yeah. How do you know it was a short tail shirt? Well, it just, you know, it just was. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, actually, so, um, yeah, a lot of these, again, so a lot of these, these um, more experienced birders that I started to meet, well, back home and out here, I mean, it is really just cool just to watch them and just see, see their experience, you know, naked eye or just bins with a speck in the, in the distance. And it's just amazing to see them capture birds based on their just jizz. And you're like, wow, like, that's incredibly impressive. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it kind of does come with experience and, and it is fun more now as well, getting more experience myself to be able to see and appreciate and or um, discount if I'm actually just looking for migrants, uh, common birds. You're like, okay, that's not something I should spend my time looking at right now, just because yeah. I'm looking for rarities. Exactly. Really, really knowing the common birds inside out and knowing all of their little chip notes can save so much effort when you're looking for something else. For sure. Absolutely. And in a similar vein, just knowing their chip notes and appreciating common birds, I think it's, it's easy, but the other day I found a yellow throat and I was like, Oh, my first of year. And it was our County first of year. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like, uh, that makes sense. Um, it helps to uh, find them and it helps to not spend your time looking for them both. Yeah, I will give a shout out to be honest. If we're if we're speaking chip notes and such, I'll give a shout out right now to uh, Matt Fort, a uh, uh, King County birder who I gained a huge amount of respect for just walking through disco many times, and he would just call out really interesting chip notes, which previously I might have just kind of discounted or not heard or not really thought too much of, and um, yeah, I was just uh, it really opened up my eyes and ears a lot. Yeah, I have to say. Uh just going out with some of these top birders, it makes you realize it is possible. You know, I, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I probably the first 15 years of birding. Uh, I mean, I birded just kind of by myself or with a group of friends and, and some of them are quite good birders, but in terms of birding by ear, not as accomplished as, you know, some really hot, especially hot young birders with great ears can be. Sure. And, uh, and it just opened my, opened my mind to the possibility. And I think I've, you know, I'm not good, but I'm a heck of a lot better once I realized that, yeah, that can happen. I could learn that too. Uh, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff. So I'm going to go back uh, a little bit to your uh, uh, marine mammal experiences. Uh, yeah. uh, you said you have a whale list. What's your whale list? Oh, gosh. And, you know, to be honest, it's not a countable list. Uh, it's very funny because that's not something that whale people do. They don't oh. uh, that I know of, you know, so I know a lot of people that, that list marine mammals, but they don't have this um, enumerated list. The number okay. itself is not huge. The whales and dolphins, I mean, the large ones 
well, including whales and dolphins, uh, all the dolphins are only talking about 88 to 93 ish species in total. That's debatable. And so this isn't something that, you know, people have yeah. year lists or yard okay. lists, okay. you know, yeah. Yeah, generally <laughs> not um, the same thing, huh? But it is much a, um, yeah, Pokemon go around and catch them all in my experience. Whereas like, okay, well, if I'm traveling somewhere, you know, I can't find this dolphin or whale, you know, in the new England. And so I'm going to try to see it. Sure. So. Uh, speaking of uh, marine mammals, I, I saw, I had as a guest, Jim Danzenbaker on the show oh, a, a few shows ago, and he, like you, was on the Cheeseman Wildlife Safaris to Antarctica, okay. and, and uh, he was more their bird guy uh, yep. on the thing, although he's a very experienced pelagic birder and knows all of the marine mammals just fine, nice. uh, but, uh, but you probably got some pretty cool marine mammals on those trips, and some yeah. pretty cool uh, birds, too. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you can't get an Antarctic minke whale anywhere but Antarctica. Um, and absolutely penguins and such. Uh, some of the penguins down there, uh, you can't get elsewhere. And uh, to have Cape Petrel not be a huge deal is kind of amazing. Uh, and so it, it kind of spoils you with some, some, some birds, for sure. And you can't help but appreciate some of them, you know, even if you're a non-birder. A yeah. wandering albatross, I mean, really. Yeah, pretty cool bird. That, is that the biggest bird? The biggest wingspan? Uh, shy, shy, so sure. shy, maybe shy. I can't remember. Oh, is Whatever. It? I thought I was wondering. It, it could be. It probably is wondering. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I uh, was scheduled to go on the ABA Rock Jumper uh, Antarctic Cruise two years ago, okay. and it got canceled right okay. early in the COVID pandemic. Sure. And then it got canceled again last year. So maybe if all goes well, I'll be uh, in that area in November. So I'm pretty excited. Yes. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They were, they are exciting. And uh, yeah, that was the, yeah, 2020 and 2021 were definitely not great years for Antarctic cruises. Um, I have a friend who went recently, but she was on a very small sailing boat. And so that's a tiny little crew and such, but the larger ones, I mean, because of the restrictions, it's been difficult, uh, but it is back open now. And so. That's what I've heard. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Good. Uh, any suggestions or advice uh, for, uh, uh, you know, things to bring, things not to bring, things to, I mean, I have no idea what this <laughs> is going to be like. Well, you, uh, we, we did talk earlier, Rob, briefly, Ed, you are from Maine. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Right. I am. Okay. Yeah. So you're, so you're all set. <laughs> basically. <laughs> okay. basically, yeah, I never mean to trivialize it, uh, but I'm, I'm, you know, this uh, part is not as laughable and more shocking, but I think Antarctica is 70 degrees currently, some parts of it. And so honestly, when I was there also 2019 last uh uh, there were definitely some t-shirt days and um, it's, it can be really surprising how nice it can be. Of course, the opposite is true as well. Um, you know, and they, uh, as a guide is our responsibility to, to ensure everyone's safety because we are there on a place that potentially we are in an island community out of ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's important. Uh, so you don't lose sight of that. But on the other hand of it, actually, uh, it can be really nice. You can get trips where it is beautiful every day and they call it the Drake Lake. And so you wow. don't get this crazy Drake passage. You can sometimes get really lucky. I, I'm praying for that. <laughs> oh, do it up. Absolutely. I, I, I have a little seasick uh, issue, so I'm really hoping for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one other tip I would say, and a shout out here is uh, I talked to Charlie Wright. He just went and I uh, saw him log an emperor penguin. So good for him. Oh, I did. Uh, and I, yeah. did you see that picture of him with a snow, uh, a snow, with a snow petrol? Uh, I did. So it, 
Uh, no, I haven't seen. Uh, yeah, it was a, on Facebook. Uh, isn't Snow mm. Petrol all white? Uh, the all white burst snow, snow. There are a few, I believe. So I think it was Snow Petrol. Anyway, yep. a picture of him rescuing it because it somehow landed on the boat, and got tangled in some gear or something. He had okay. to take it out and release yeah. it. So he had a picture yeah. of him holding a uh, cool. holding an all white bird that I think was a Snow Petrol. There. Was, I have, was a, a yeah. The, that might be the white morph or giant petrol there. The southern giant petrol. No, it was a small bird. Anyway. Oh. Okay, oh, cool. I, I could be wrong. Anyway, yeah, it was, it was, it was snow, cool. Snow, snowy sheath bill, perhaps. I just, all, I just don't. Oh, know. Oh, I just no don't worries. Know. There's a long I, way from here. I have, I have so. not st- started studying much from my yeah. trip yet. Oh, cool. I, I, I'm, I'm right now busy studying for a road trip up the Mississippi River. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm flying to New Orleans in a couple of weeks, and uh, my girlfriend and I, Marion, are going to uh, take three weeks and drive up to Iowa. Uh, which is her hometown and kind of bird away and just kind of eat our way and experience our way up the Mississippi flyway in migration. So I'm Great. learning my warbler chips and songs more than yeah, like, oh, good luck. Right I mean, yeah, way more out there than here. So yeah, yeah I'm pretty excited. Good. Uh, so uh, I'm going to get back to you big year a little bit. It was a awesome number that you got. Uh, mm-hmm. And yes, last year was a good year for Puget Trough sort of rarities. What were some yeah. of the kind of highlights of your year, would you say? Sure. Yeah. And um, early in January, I think on like the ninth, I could have that wrong, but I think on like the ninth, I found a common grackle in the Kent Valley. And so that was, I think, Kent uh, King's fifth record. Um, so I had been there actually in late December, when Alan spotted the fourth record common grackle, because um, I had spotted a rusty blackbird. So we were all there on a rusty blackbird and then Patagonia picnic table, whatnot. And uh, Alan spots a common grackle. Uh, and I almost left before we spotted it because I had been from the East Coast. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, great. You know, common grackle, I'm going to go hunt for anything, literally. You know, I'm going to go for no bird, <laughs> just going to go wander around. Uh, and so my friends convinced me to stay until we recited it. Um, so I recited it, which was cool, but that was uh, in December. And so when in January, only a few weeks later, when I found this other crackle in Kent, I was able to recognize that, Hey, this is actually a cool bird. Uh, and they sent it out to tweeters and uh, people came to see it and you know, it was cool. Um, but actually I, that, oh, you I'll give you a, a shout out to thank you for me. That was my Washington first common grackle. I'm from oh, Maine. No so it was way. like, you know, you know, I think grackles were a lot more common in Maine when I was a kid. Than mm. they are now, they, mm. they aren't that common anymore. Back where mm. I live in Maine, now maybe I just call starlings grackles back then. I don't know, but I think I think they were uh, I think they were more common sixty or fifty five years ago than they are now. I'll tell you what, we definitely have them everywhere in Boston, and so it was yeah. not, a, not a large deal. You just uh, get a little bit south, so. get a little bit south. They're easy, but I, in central Maine, I don't think they're that common anymore for whatever yeah. reason. But actually, yeah, so that bird remained king's, technically remained our rarest bird until our first record uh, Manx Shearwater in late June. So actually for the first half of the year, so that was kind of the only code five or um, there was an ibis, a white-faced ibis, but that was also the fifth record. Um, And those are more common, I think, in the state. And so Mm -hmm. um, technically the grackle is more rare than that. Uh, but there are a number of great birds uh, throughout the year. As you mentioned, the Puget Sound, I did camp a good amount at Discovery Park. Uh, so I, uh, we are lucky in King where we've got um, Washington's number two hotspot, I believe, behind Nia Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Discovery Park has a really great 
awesome records, mostly just because it's a large park that kind of sits out into the uh, into Puget Sound a little bit. And so I think it's good to get uh, uh, Puget Sound flyway birds, but it's also really large and there are a large number of people, obviously, in the Seattle area. And so I think it's birded pretty well. And so when that one magnolia warbler shows up, someone perhaps can find it, um, uh, which has happened, of course, uh, and a bunch of other great birds. Um, I will say, uh, strategy-wise, I'll, I'll mention that perhaps I camped there a little too much uh, uh, to my detriment, for sure. And so looking back on it and, uh, strategically, there are plenty of other places in the county I could have gone more, um, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I was there for flyby, ruddy turnstones, marble godwit. Um, I had four sevens gulls from there, um, two or three, three Pomeran Jaegers. Um, I thought I saw a long-tailed Jaeger and the next day Matt Dufort did report one, but I never reported that bird. Uh, it's a possibility. Um, they get away, of course. You can't be sure on all of them. But there were some really, really awesome birds. Um, I was there when Jason Vassallo saw a brown booby and got us all on it. Uh, super excellent. And then our last bird of the year um, was, this is where my marine science degrees helped. Uh, and uh, I said, hey, is anyone, anyone sound watching tomorrow? I think it's going to be a good one. And uh, John Pushak and I recorded 154 Northern Fulmar and one black-legged kittiwake. Um, so I'd already had Fulmar a couple of times. Um, actually with Wayne Sladek, I think was when I, uh, I saw wow. one, uh, from discovery park once when I met him. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but that day was epic for the full mar. And then we had a kitty wake come by, which was also, I think King's ninth record or something is a, just a great bird. Uh, but King County, you know, runs from the West, uh, Western boundary of the sound up to the Eastern boundary being the, the cascade, the uh, crest of the cascades there. And so there's some mountain birds, of course, as well, and migrating mountain birds. And so it's important in migration to try to get up there, which I did try to do also in the summers uh, for woodpeckers and all kinds of, all kinds of goodies. So. Yeah. I'm hoping to get to, I, I'm, I'm not a, a super big County lister, but I'm trying to get yeah. to some of the local counties at least and, and see a lot of the birds. Where, where should I go in the mountains? I, I have not done any high elevation birding in King County. I've done a oh, lot, geez. a lot in Pierce. Well, I will say, to be honest, I actually think that other counties almost assuredly have better mountain areas. And so that was a, a problem, uh, you know, I'm realizing late in the year, as I've already put in a huge amount of effort, is like, well, I've restricted myself to this county, which actually there are uh, maybe other areas that are far better for birds, of course, and for different types of birds. But at the at that point, I was like, I'm going to be here for a while anyway. And You're committed. I'm committed to this county year, and there's fine enough birds here in this county that you know I can I'll do this and such. And so, to be honest, I would say that there are probably better mountain areas elsewhere outside of the uh, county. I mean, some of the burn areas, obviously, in Pierce uh, are way more extensive, and so you just get way more way better chances at burn birds and things like that. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, I'll figure some places to go. I just, I just yeah. want to get up for one or two hikes in King County this year, just yeah. to shake it up. I'm, you know, a little weary of always burning just Pierce, you know? So. Yeah, no, I totally, totally get it. I have to leave King County as well. And in fact, um, when the Washington, uh, Washington rare bird alert Facebook page, they posted my picture of that emperor goose. 
and uh, Jason had made that joke. Uh, they said, how can this picture be Raphael Fenmore's if the bird is in Pierce County? That's very fair. Somebody so, photoshopped you into that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I allow myself so, to leave sometimes. You know? yeah, it, it's allowed to take the ball and chain off yeah. and get I out mean, of the county common crane, once in a while. You know, it's like, fine. The common crane is probably not coming to King County. I'll, yeah. I'll leave for that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my King County story is that uh, my my wife before she died was a big art collector and, and we had insane amounts of art. I mean, just her, her mother is a fine artist. She's got a brother-in-law who's an artist. We collected a, just too much art. And I mean, I like art too, but I just couldn't keep it all. I moved to a smaller place. I just had to do something with it. So uh, finally, enough years had gone by that I was just ready to go through it all and get rid of it. So I uh, put a pile of art into a U-Haul trailer and drove it to one of her brother's places in California, Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in Sacramento dropping off a a U-Haul trailer full of art. And I see that there's uh, uh, a, a common crane back home. And uh, as, as a, uh, I, I had told my Marion that, yeah, we'll just kind of we'll race down with the shoe haul trail. We'll have a, just a nice, we'll take three, four days, come home nice and leisurely. And I'm about one day into it and said, Marion, we just got to go. <laughs> so yeah, we, drove, nice. we drove straight for the sand, straight for yeah. the common crane. And oh, sure, so much exactly. For our, so much for our leisurely trip home. Yeah. Just, uh, oh, wonderful. Exactly. And I didn't need to hurry. I stayed there a while, but yeah. you just don't know about that. Oh, exactly. Well, it's funny. You're uh, almost flubbed there and saying Sandhill. You started yeah, to. I did. Uh, yeah. I, I, oh, no worries. I remember the um, tragically, there was a report there. One of the first misreports of the common crane reported a Sandhill crane in that field. Oh, and so at some point, exactly. Someone drove for the common crane and there it was in the field and they looked closer and it's a Sandhill. <laughs> And the common crane was not reported again. Oh my so goodness. That well, that, that's a, another amazing. pretty good bird to tell you the like, truth for that time oh, for of year sure. in that area. I mean, just, yeah, I don't well, think I actually, I don't think it, I have Sandhill crane in, in uh Skagit. Is that Skagit or walk? Uh, Snow that was, oh geez. That was, I don't even remember. I think it was, it was Skagit too. Um, <laughs> actually I just saw King's F uh, first of year Sandhill cranes the other day. Um, me and Marv Breeze, he caught them uh, half an hour after myself north in Tequila. But um, again, with just the, um, well, Ken Ponds is kind of my local patch. I'll just uh, say that it's just over this not very large ridge line, but there's this ridge line that forms Kent Valley, it's eastern mm-hmm. and western, north right. south ridge lines. And um, I have heard that back in the day, um, you know, before development, pre development, it was a lot like the Skagit Valley. Uh, and so I think that there still are a lot of migrants that'll come through there, north and south, mm-hmm. obviously, um, spring and fall. And, um, yeah, the other day I caught two cranes coming north along one of those ridge lines. Uh, mm-hmm. and then again, yeah, someone half an hour later, five miles north, uh, caught them as well. And this is totally cool. I think this is a time of year for flyover cranes, probably that, yeah. The, I'm the hoping crane. to catch a bunch of stuff there. Yeah, I'm, I kind of plant myself in Kent Ponds. I think all of the uh, sea watching has helped. And I did mention a bunch of, I, I mentioned to several birds last year. I was like, I have half a mind to set myself up on the Kent Valley and sea watch, you know, quote unquote, for, you know, just valley watch. Yeah. Uh, and I'm doing it a little bit this year uh, because I, 
think there's good chances for things to, to come through there. So, yeah. Well, congratulations also on maintaining your relationship through a big year of birding. That, that is no <laughs> small task too. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I did say, um, I was telling friends like, oh yeah, I became uh, quick friend enemies, right? Friend enemies with uh, with several birds, but uh, but not really. Actually, it's, it's a really cordial, uh, you know, for, for the for the sure. far, far, far most part. It is really just uh, people really do appreciate the birds, um, and they really do get excited for them. And um, I hadn't respected uh, patch listing at the beginning of last year as much, but now I I do, especially with all the time I spent in Discovery Park, and now all the time I've spent in Kent Ponds. Yeah. Um, and my partner has joked that my, one of my missions this year is to quote, make Kent ponds great again. Uh, and it kind of is a little bit just because this is a, it's a 300 plus acre, uh, area in the middle of, uh, uh, Kent Valley that I think is, is highly underburdened mostly because it's, it's pretty overgrown. Um, it, it is overgrown. The Kent ponds used to be, and it ages me. I mean, 30 years ago, that was a really good birding at the whole, uh, Fra- is it Frager road or something oh, like yep, Frager road and all along the green river there. It was really, really a top birding spot, but now, you know, maybe 10% of the birding spots covered with warehouses, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, another 20% by condominiums and apartment buildings. And yep. th- most of the rest is grown up in alders and trees. Yeah, so and it briars. used to be, used to be big open spaces. And yep. I, I don't know how to bird that area anymore. Honestly, it's, yeah. it's not, not simple. You have to park way around the side and walk forever. It's, it's a weird, well, weird area up, now. It does bring up a good point, Ed, that I actually would be a bit selfish now not to release a 2022 updated Kent Ponds map with the amount of time I've spent in the area. And so that's been tossing around my mind recently and I have to do that and so i will i have half a mind to do that i should do it soon yeah um, two places you know two places to put that on washington birder uh, they would love to have that on washington birder under king county yep. and on the wasp website you know we i'm on the wasp board to put a shout out to uh, i think you should lead a field trip to the <laughs> ponds uh, as okay. soon as possible <laughs> nice excellent i mean i would love to anytime i'm out there most days to be honest um just because especially with gas prices it's so close and if there's opportunity for great birds then wonderful like really uh it's it's a great place because there are some meadows there there are the ponds there are some built-in observation towers which some of i mean one in particular has no views because of how grown up some of those alders are Mm -hmm. um but uh but nonetheless it's i you know i think that there's wonderful opportunities we've got the only resident black phoebes in king county um i'm hoping that they'll be the first breeding pair for king actually um, i hope that last year as well but then i was distracted running everywhere else to prove that so, yeah that would be a good a good uh, good good uh, task for the year that would be great yeah to prove that. good Pet for projects. you yeah. so so other than birding the kent ponds what do you see going forward in birding for you and and uh and otherwise do you have uh any uh marine mammal work lined up are you interested in that what, what's what's going forward for Raphael Fenimore? Sure, absolutely. And um, I was working earlier this year as a protected species observer for a while, watching Elliott Bay um, out there, um, just, uh, well, that's the main bay around Seattle. Um, so just watching for endangered whales uh, during construction projects. And so that's mm-hmm. a paid gig where I'd set up with all my birding gear and just go birding all day, um, but <laughs> looking for whales. Uh, I think I met, is it Sam Fusen? 
Uh, Sam, Sam Faison, for sure. Sam, Sam yeah. Faison. I met him uh, doing that at Brown's Point last yep. year. No, I'm, you, you beat me to it because that's the shout out. He is the person who got me the job. So good. good. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that was, that's a great job. And I was doing that for January, February, uh, into March for a day. Um, and uh, that was really cool from a different, different few, few places like Luna Park, the northernmost point of West Seattle. Uh, and so recorded like West Seattle's second common red pole during this winter's red pole explosion, obviously uh, everywhere, um, which that was a miss actually with my Ken Ponds uh, list. I had red pole two blocks over from Ken Ponds in January and I just didn't, wasn't diligent enough to go to Ken Ponds and record them there because I'm sure that they were there. Uh, they probably uh, were for sure. Um, but yeah, but this year, let's see. So I was, yeah, working for as a protected species observer for a while um but i don't have any other jobs lined up and when i moved out here i had retained uh, several of my ngo board positions i helped with a number of small conservation marine conservation organizations but i did find that more difficult with the big year and with being physically further even though i was remote anyway before and so i actually did resign from most of those um even though i'll still help with consults to anybody. <laughs> so. Well, the, the, there, I'm sure there are lots of similar opportunities wherever you're at. So that's cool. Uh, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit. We talked briefly when we met at the stakeout about your new camera. Sounds like you're using mm. a new, new Canon mirrorless camera. And mirrorless mm -hmm. cameras are intimidating and uh, confusing to me, at least. Uh, and I suspect mm. a, a lot of other uh, birders who take pictures uh, yep. and my camera uh, I'm a little selfish here my camera is on its last limbs and I'm going to need a new camera before too many years go by and yep. so tell me what you're using and how you like it sure absolutely so I kind of dove right in there and got the Canon R5 um, and so that's kind of one of their later and greater I think latest and greatest that they have for mirrorless and um Let's see if I get this explanation right. I'll either make a fool of myself or not. Um, but just to explain real quick, I believe that mirrorless, the difference here with that, between them and DSLRs is that, um, well, they do not have a mirror. So DSLRs are single lens reflex cameras, digital single lens reflex. And that lens that moves uh, has been removed. And so usually that's kind of the mirror that kind of shoots the image up to the viewfinder, which has to move to allow the image instead to go to the viewfinder to pass through and be obtained by the sensor. So without that mirror, the sensor is just reading straight through all the time. And actually that makes your viewfinder electronic. So there is no mirror to shoot the image up to the viewfinder and or record it. It's just passing through directly to a sensor, which is actually on all the time, which is kind of interesting. And so they are, more different than I gave it credit for going into it. And it is still taking me some legs, uh, still taking me, there's a, you know, there's a good learning curve for sure. Uh, it's just very different. Uh, and when it hits, it's fabulous, absolutely. And still, I just, I know it's gonna be great going forward. And so I uh, need to stop birding less and actually make a make an effort to go out and really just play with the camera for these hours and hours instead of watching for birds for hours and hours. But I figure priorities, you know, it, mm -hmm. it'll, it'll, happen. it'll happen. Exactly. Very cool. So, uh, I've heard uh, a couple of birders say it's it's sort of harder to find the bird when you're looking through the camera for it. Do you notice that? 
Yeah, I do. I think that really has to do with probably the refresh rate of that LCD that is the viewfinder. So again, with an electronic viewfinder, you're looking at a screen that is like showing you what the sensor is recording. And so uh, I am not sure what the resolution of that screen is. Um, I would, I really hope that it is like basically smaller than your eyes can perceive like retina displays or like for Apple iPhone, technically their pixels, excuse me, their pixels are smaller than your eyes can perceive. But actually I think that makes a really crisp image. I'm not sure if that's the case with this electronic viewfinder. And as such, if a bird is smaller than a pixel, you'll never see it. And so I'm not really, it is definitely taking some getting used to. Again, with that optical viewfinder, it doesn't matter how small the bird is, it will be represented somehow, whether you can see it or not, <laughs> you know, who knows. Yeah. But with a digital viewfinder, maybe the bird isn't really represented fully or quite accurately. And again, with that refresh rate, so um, screens and monitors will have refresh rates measured in Hertz, which is how many mm -hmm. times they refresh per second, you know? But again, what's the refresh rate of your eyes? You know, how many times do I refresh the image I'm looking at? That's and a known, that is known. Probably. Uh, yeah, because, and I can't remember something like, I, I don't know, it, because it's known because, you know, if you, make the old fashioned cartoon books that you flip the things. Oh, sure. Brrr. Sure. If you flip them at a certain speed, you see picture, 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 yep. picture, but all of a sudden it becomes a motion picture at a certain speed. 100%. So, so that is a known, I, I, and yep. back in med school, I knew that. Nice. Well, <laughs> I, I, monitors tend to be like 60 to 144 Hertz or whatnot. And, and so I think they go beyond that. And so I'd be willing to bet that's likely yeah. the range we're talking about. But basically, I, I would think that these viewfinders, I'm not sure if they are, but for, for studio photography, these cameras can't be beat. But for a bird in the wild moving through a bunch of environment, I really think the viewfinder matters. The, the tech specs of that digital viewfinder, I think it matters. And I'm not sure if this one is technically up to snuff or if I'm up, not up to snuff. <laughs> so we'll, we'll that, will, that will take some time to, to discern. Um, but I will say that um, I'm really hopeful and excited for it. Uh, I think it's just going to take some more learning for myself. I think it's just different. Well, thanks for that explanation. I, I now I have a, a, an inkling about what mirrorless means. I knew it had yeah. something to do with a moving part and, and mirrors, but I didn't really know the details. I'm at sure all. I got it. I got it all wrong. And I'll be uh, I, I suspect. I suspect you're in the ballpark. Good. Hmm. A couple of other quick topics. I, I got a chance to look at your bio and a couple of the the websites you sent me. You're a scuba diver. For sure. Yep. I've not done it out here yet. Yeah. No, I haven't done it out here. Um, so out here, um, it's pretty cold. Because actually, so with the circulation above the equator in the world, um, the gyres in the oceans circulate in a clockwise fashion. And mm -hmm. so on the eastern uh, on the eastern seaboard, we have the Gulf Stream that comes up. So it brings rel relatively warm water up the eastern seaboard. Mm -hmm. uh, here you have the opposite. And so actually it's relatively colder, um, despite being similar in latitude-ish. Uh, it's relatively colder. And so here you need thicker... Um, wetsuit or there are a lot of dry suit divers which i have done dry suit diving in new england before i don't have my own dry suit gear and my wetsuit gear is definitely i think too thin uh for the sound 
And so I have not yet dove here at all, but I hear it's really cool. I've heard it's great uh, experience, but uh, again, I've n- never done it. So I don't know. Just, uh, mm. just kind of caught my fancy when I read that. Yeah. I mean, scuba diving itself, I will give a plug there. It's, it's really wonderful. And it's kind of one of those things that once you become comfortable and once you are able to use all your gear rather than worry about your gear, that's when it just opens up to being a whole new world. You're just wandering around being amazed by everything. Relaxed and doing everything right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> or you <laughs> die. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> There's a gradient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Raphael, thanks so much for being on with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, of course. I, I, want, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, let listeners know uh, if you want to let people know how to get a hold of yours or a good way to reach out to you. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. People can email me anytime. That's, that's totally acceptable. Absolutely. Um, do you provide that or should I just, uh, I, I, I'll uh, put that in the podcast notes in a way that you won't get spammed. That people sure. can understand what it is, but it won't be, uh, it won't show up. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I can, different. I can deal with that. Good. Uh, are there any other things you wanted to make sure that you should talk about before we call it a day? Um, not too, too much. I will give a shout out also to a birder I've never met. Um, someone whose guide I follow very extensively here. Um, that would be Eugene Hun. This uh, book uh, that your viewers mm-hmm. can't see I'm holding here is Birding in Seattle and King County, a site guide and annotated list by Eugene S. Hun. And this is actually a second edition. I have this cool older uh, first edition as well, a gift from a friend. Um, but this was a really cool bird guide. Um, in many respects, because uh, as he lays out in the foreword, there's a lot of great birds right here in your own county. Um, and granted, it is a large county. It's, uh, I think, physically larger than the state of Delaware. So we're a lot, where I'm from, states are smaller. Yeah. Um, so it's physically a large county. But that being said, we do have a huge uh, bird diversity. I mean, so my last year number was 278. Uh, we had a huge year in the county record setting. I think it was 298, 294, and 298 that were species that were seen in the county total. And that's just ones that were seen and recorded, uh, which doesn't include things like Lewis's woodpecker that definitely happened, uh, but went unseen. And so, you know, who knows how many dozens of other species were out there that came through. And it was a wonderful excuse to gallivant in this county and uh, find uh, a bobcat and some weasels and a mink and a bear and mountain goats uh, and you know, all kinds of stuff just right here in this one county. This birding is a fabulous hobby, isn't it? You, you oh, get absolutely. some great, great experiences. So that's yeah. uh, uh, all the side benefits. You get in nature, you see other cool stuff, you see birds, you meet cool people. And yep. Gene, a shout out to Gene Hun. Gene Hun was sort of the godfather of Washington birding in his generation, at least. Uh, he was a, a professor at the UW, and I probably get this all wrong, but I think he's a professor at the UW. Uh, he wrote that book. He, uh, he led a field trip that I went on the first time I ever birded Eastern Washington. He used to lead field trips for Seattle Audubon. He did uh, birdathons. You've probably heard of birdathons, a fundraising thing. Got. He did a uh, public transportation and walking uh, field trip in, King County, in Seattle for a bird fundraiser. He was 
quite the quite the uh person yeah, yeah it is no, quite it, the person he, he's 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 in california now but yeah exactly yeah reading i mean some exactly some of the stuff for this book where he did intentionally have to burn some mountain areas because he was like well there are holes kind of here people don't quite know and so i'll have to intentionally do that and then as you said there's a whole birding by public transportation section here which is totally totally cool but yeah, I mean, kind of what you said about how he isn't burning great. Um, I often say it's the opposite of that Mark Twain quote about golf, where he says golf is a good walk spoiled. I kind of say birding is the opposite, where it's a good walk enhanced, you know, because it really is. Yeah, so. it, it's a hobby you can do anywhere. You know, uh, a, a friend of mine said uh, he, he's been, he was my mentor, Ken Brown. He said he was uh, riding one day with his wife down the highway a few years ago, and she said, are you ever not birding? It seems like no matter where we go, you're seeing birds. And he said, he thought about it for a second. He said, no, I don't think I'm ever not birding. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've known some birders that have said they have to, even for different events, they'll have to, if they really are focused on the event, then they'll need to fly to the place a day ahead of time or two. So they're not sitting there craning their head the whole time, hoping for this and that to fly by. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so, Ken, Ken and I, uh, Ken and I were lucky enough to go to a, a a practice round of the U S open when it was at Chambers Bay. Oh. Uh, and uh, we, you know, there's no real golf going on. They're just shooting around. So we took our bins and did a little birding while we were doing it. And, uh, and some British guy came up to me and says, what are you doing with those bird with those binoculars? I said, oh, we're, we're just checking out the birds. And he said, perverts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, I saw that that the other day, some type of uh, tweet, or, you know, I resaw it rather. And exactly. It said something like, uh, it, it just says how perverted birds are. You know, birding is rather, you know, so yeah. you play these like, you know, mating calls and then you, a uh, bird pops up hoping to mate and you look at it through your bins, you know, and you're like, he, 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 you know, like, exactly. Uh, all very yeah. perverted. For listeners, we try not to do that too much in the breeding season. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, I really, really try not to play anything, um, which is cool. Um, I've gained a lot of respect for a lot of birders that I've known that basically, you know, if you can make the sound with your body, you know, so pitching or squeaking or clapping for rails, you know, mm-hmm. then, yeah. you know then do it up, you know, uh, excellent. And I, I, I agree with that. I think that can be cool, you know. Yeah, like, it it uh, is cool. The things, I mean, I've, there are some cool tricks you can do with your body <laughs> to yeah. attract birds, which yeah. you know, which is cool. And some people aren't cool with that either, but whatever. It's all every each to their own. Uh, I yeah. think, uh, you know, birding is great in many ways. Raphael, again, thanks so much for being our guest today. I really appreciate it getting to talk with you and you have a great 2022 also. Thanks. I'm sure I'll see you at a rare bird sometime soon, Ed. Hopefully. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner podcast with Raphael Fenimore. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, please be feel free to reach out to me uh, with suggestions for guests you'd like to hear on the show, uh, f- with uh, suggestions of other things you'd like to hear about, topics or places or really anything else you'd like to hear about. I also appreciate feedback on ways to do this better or suggestions of any sort. So you can get a hold of me uh, on the contact page on the birdbanner.com website uh, or find me all sorts of other ways. Anyway, thanks for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day.